This is the Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Yes, it is time. It is Hot Stove back once again. Brought to you by Hatback. Gary Hill, Aaron Goldsmith here. Aaron, welcome to your first Hot Stove of the offseason. How does it feel? I just, you know, it makes me think of um, kind of like the scene in the clubhouse at Rogers Center after the Mariners had that comeback win. And they're just, just popping bottles and it's just, it's just spraying everywhere, Gary. I could just, you know, that's how I feel right now. Gary, it's great to be back with you, man. We, you know, we've seen each other um, a little bit over the offseason. We've talked plenty, but now, Gary, to be back and work with you, to be on the clock, feels good, man. <laughs> be on the clock punch it in for the big show nice uh i'm excited about this show i think it's gonna be great pete woodworth is coming up i feel like we learn something about pitching every time we talk to pete sometimes about pitching sometimes about other things so i'm excited to talk to pete uh you mean major league coach of the year pete woodworth yes absolutely i'm excited to find out about the award uh how what like the physical award? award. The physical award. Yes, I want me to know. too. Yes. I assume it's on his mantle or something. Somewhere. Maybe mine not even. I hope it doesn't fit on his mantle. <laughs> Andy McKay is going to join us. Speaking of learning something. I don't know if there's somebody. This is a high bar, but I, I don't know if there's anybody in the org that gives deeper, more thoughtful and insightful answers than Andy. And there's stiff competition for that. So yeah. that's that that it's high praise because there's he's he is phenomenal and uh, congrats to Andy on the promotion uh, this off season. Absolutely. Uh, the first two weeks of this show, we or the last two weeks, we dove into the Astros. We took a look at them. We took a look at the Rangers. We're taking an in depth look at every team in the division, and this week we are taking a look at the Angels, which have had. Maybe the most interesting offseason of anyone in baseball. And the whole Otani situation I find fascinating. I, I, I can't wait to see how this all plays out. Just enjoy them while you got them. <laughs> That's right. But first up, and we're going to dive into it right now, we have with us Mariners pitcher Logan Gilbert. Logan, it is great to chat with you. How's your offseason going? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's been great. Everything's been good. Uh, just enjoying it and uh, getting back to work now. Looking forward to spring training. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. Uh, the goatee right now, Logan. <laughs> uh, let's just start with the hard hitting stuff. The goatee became one of the great focal points in the back end of last season. Not just for you, but I think for the Seattle Mariners as an organization. Right now, there's a quasi-goatee. What's the status of the goatee in spring and moving forward? That's hilarious. I, I thought this might come up. Um, I didn't know it would be this early. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of surprising. I don't really know how it happened. Um, I was just trying to spice things up late in the year. Um, you know, it's a long season. And I've never tried it. Just went for it. And I think a lot more people talked about it than I ever thought it would happen. I was just doing something funny. I don't know. Um, this is just a few days uh, getting lazy here, so I need to clean it up a little bit. But um, no promises for next season. Maybe maybe something later in the year. 
Edgy, very edgy, Gary. <laughs> I mean, this is we already have a no promises. You can scratch that off the bingo card. This is Logan. I mean, Logan's not taking any prisoners this year, man. No question. Have you ever considered full beard, Logan? I mean, we thought full beard. I, I can't. I can't do it. Not right now, at least. Um, I gave it a half-hearted try recently, and after a few days, I knew I didn't have it in me. Like physic, like you're physically not capable, or you just don't have the patience or the interest. Uh, I think it's physically. Yeah. I, I don't think it's very spotty, very patchy. Um, maybe a little bit on the chin, but that's about it. How would you compare your goatee to Cal's? Um, man, I, if he's listening, I would say that mine's better for sure. But, um, to be honest, he's, he's probably got me. He's been doing it for years though. So, you know, he's got, he's got the practice and all that. Hey, since Gary brought up Cal, we know you and Cal go back a long, long way. Do the players call Cal dumper? <laughs> Uh, now and then. Yeah. Some guys do it. Uh, it started catching on more and more. I, I think at first nobody really. And then, uh, I think once the t-shirts started, people just ran with it. And do people on the team call you Walter? Um, uh, certain people. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I think that's how nicknames are. Uh, some people kind of buy in and some people, uh, might not like it, whatever. Um, but it depends on the day. depends on the person. Uh, I, I think on start days, I probably hear it a lot more. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about your off season. What does a off season look like for Logan Gilbert? You know, I, I try to just take it easy and relax as much as possible. Um, and of course, see family. We're back here with uh, back home in Florida and get to see my family a lot and um, just try to take all that in. Uh, you know, the this, this season's so long and uh, it's awesome, but it's it's just a lot going on. So um, I try to take my time and relax when I can. Logan, I know you've always used a lot of technology in your training. You're kind of one of one of the guys more on the forefront of that side of things, Florida Baseball Ranch. Who did you work out with this year? Where did you work out? What were some of the te- uh, training techniques that you used that maybe you haven't used before? Can you kind of walk us through what that looked like for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I love talking about this stuff. I'm just so interested in it. I love the training side of it, too. Um, and in the offseason, I really get to – experiment if i want to i have a little more time so yeah i've been going over to the ranch um a couple times a week for a couple months now and um i just love throwing on the edge video edgertronic um the super slow-mo see how the ball spins out of your fingers um and that that really helps you know what to do with your fingers where you want to put the pressure how the ball is coming out um and then of course using the trackman data if i'm trying to make a pitch do something different so that stuff's been really good it's been uh pretty promising so far Nothing too crazy. Um, I don't don't think I'm switching things up too much. So just trying to kind of follow what I was doing at the end of last year. There's a lot of data that you can get with the Rapsodos and those kinds of things where you can see your movement and all the numbers on your pitches on a sheet. But when you talk about looking at the video of it with the camera and actually being able to see the spin, what advantages does that give you to actually see the ball versus the data that you might receive on some other form of feedback? Yeah. Good question. It's for me, it's just matching everything up. So there's a few different roads you go down. I think feel is huge. That's a big one. What you think is going on, what you feel and cues you'll develop from that. Then of course you see the data from what actually happened on the pitch. And then you look at the edge video and see, does my feel match up with what I just saw in the video? So if I think I'm, for example, pulling down more on the side of the ball, that last pitch, and it made it better, and I see that on video, then everything kind of checks out. But if I 
feel like I'm behind the ball, but I'm pulling down on the side of the ball and the camera, then there's a little bit of a mismatch there and just try to get everything on the same page. So you're a guy now over 50 starts in your big league career, closing in on 200 innings a year ago. What kind of things are you concentrating on? What do you want to accomplish? Uh, yeah, innings has always been huge for me. Um, I don't know what it is about it. I know the game's trending a little bit away from that, but I think the best guys just go deep in the games and um, kind of the, the team relies on them, knows what they're getting every time out there. So I think consistency is just the biggest thing, especially at this level. Try to go out there and make, you know, 33 starts, whatever it is, and um, try to go at least seven and hopefully get to 200 innings. And then, of course, just the other stuff takes care of itself. You you want swing and miss. You want strikeouts, low walks. All that stuff's really important. Um, but I think all of that just kind of comes together. Logan Gilbert is our guest on the hot stove. Logan, you're, you almost are a blend of two different schools of pitching. At least that's what it seems like on the outside. You've talked about the technology and the training and kind of the nerd factor that goes along with it, which is becoming more and more prevalent. And yet, if somebody were to watch you on the mound, uh, you got a lot of old school pitcher in you, right? We know how fastball heavy you can be. We know how come at you and attack you type of pitcher you can be. You don't seem like a guy who's on the mound processing and overthinking. I mean, you really feel like you are you are working with your catcher and you're just trying to at times overpower the hitter. How do you balance the information, the thinking man's game of it all with just the fact that you have this great unique ability and you want to just ride that as long as you can when you're on the Hill. Yeah, that's honestly a huge compliment to me because it wasn't that way for a long time. So it's, it's something that I think I've gotten a little bit better at every year and I don't think I have it perfect yet, but um, I think it comes with just knowing yourself. I know which way I lean. I'm, I'm a little more analytical, but I think it started back in college working with my pitching coach there and really focusing externally on the target, on the catcher, what you want to do, all that stuff. So it's a balance and it's taken me every, every year. Hopefully I'm progressing in the right direction, but the days in between, I allow myself to get a little more technical but I have to trust myself to flip that switch when it's time for the game or even in a bullpen to be more external, not internal, not as analytical. And that's when it just comes down to, like you said, the old school stuff that goes back to um, whether it's thrown off the fastball or really just trusting your stuff, working with your catcher, trusting the catcher. That's been huge for me recently. So um, it's definitely a balance and I've gotten, I think better at it every year and hopefully continue to do that. At this point in your career, how would you describe where you're at with your secondary stuff? Uh, I feel good about it. I feel better every year. Basically, every year I've, I've made minor tweaks. Um, but uh, just like we were talking about before with my offseason training, you know, every year I hope I'm kind of closing the gap a little bit more on everything and hopefully not as major changes. And it's just fine tuning and consistency, consistency and all that stuff. So. My curveball, I pretty much, you know, it is what it is. I like where it's at and the slider as well. Um, at the end of last year, I made a, another little minor tweak and I'm kind of r- still running with that. I think that's uh, the right route to go on. And a, a lot of it comes from looking around the league too. You look at arsenals and how they're put together and how they play off each other. Look at guys that I think I compare to. And, um, you know, there's obvious things that all these guys are doing and other things that they're not doing. Um, so for me, that's just a little more validation on the route I'm going down right now and continuing to pursue that. Let's talk about the slider a little bit more, Logan, because in your 
Cactus League debut a year ago, everybody was saying, what is this pitch? It was the new slider, right? So, like, let's call that version 2, 2.0 of Logan Slider. It was, you know what it was, but for those who don't remember, it was it was sharper. You could control it better. It was firmer, less break, less loopy. And then you rode that for a lot of the season. And then as you referenced, kind of in the very back end of the season, the slider slowed down a little bit more. It had a little bit, a little more break to it. Is that a whole new version of it? Is that version three? Or did you go back to version one that you had in your inaugural season with the Mariners? Kind of where is it now if you say that that's what you're sticking with? Yeah, there's too many versions to be honest. <laughs> I wish there was only one, but um, yeah, I, I guess it's just fine. It's fine tuning, like I'm talking about. Or those are probably more major changes. But yeah, so that the one you're talking about, I guess when I came into spring training last year was closer. And in spring training, I had it pretty close to where I want it. But the um, without getting too technical, I guess the it had not as much depth as I was going throughout the year. So the ball was staying up a little higher and it makes it easier to get the velo that I want on it. I want to throw it at least mid upper eighties, but I was sacrificing some movement, some depth on that. And like I talked about earlier, my arsenal plays very North South. So on the slider, I'm trying to get that depth. And that's what I went to at the end of last year. So naturally you get a little more depth. You're going to lose out on some velo. So then it's just finding a balance of, how fast can I throw it while keeping that same depth? And ideally it's, it's a gyro slider. It's not a sweeper. So that makes it easier to control. Ideally that's, that's the thought process behind it. So it's a balance of keeping that velo and trying to get the same depth without the ball, you know, having that same carry as the fastball. For those, I think we take for granted a lot of terms when we talk pitching, I'd like you to clarify gyro slider versus sweeper. And also what is, when you talk about depth, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So, um, I mean, how I understand it, gyro is like a bullet spin. So, um, it's gravity doing the work. You throw the ball straight and, um, because there's no backspin, the ball is going to basically just fall with gravity. Um, so that's where it looks like the ball is moving down more so than sideways, but still has the velo of a slider rather than a curveball. So, um, and then a sweeper is just going to move laterally. It has more true spin around the ball. Um, so yeah, that's basically it. And the, from the depth standpoint. Oh yeah. Just, um, that kind of goes with the gyro, just, um, having the, I, I wouldn't say curveball is more loopy. So that's probably a bad description, but somewhere in between the way the fastball stays way up and the, uh, the curveball moves way down. It's somewhere in between where it looks like it's moving down, but, um, it, it's more of a fall off the table, vertical pitch than a big looper. Visiting with Logan Gilbert here on the hot stove brought to you by Hatback. Looking for a great spot to catch the big game? Come out to Hatback Bar and Grill located across from T-Mobile Park. Great food and beer plus free parking. It's the place to be. Visit hatback.com to make a reservation. We'll continue more of our conversation with Mariner starter Logan Gilbert coming up right after this. Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Gilbert from the stretch. Stares in. 
The 2-2. Swing and a miss. He got him. A four-seamer that he zips right on past Thice. Walter has been here all day, and he has been mean. Strikeout number 11 for Logan Gilbert. A career high. And he sits down the Angels again. Only one run allowed in six innings. A dynamite day for Logan Gilbert. Ah, yes, the domination that is Logan Gilbert. Welcome back to Hot Stove. Gary Hill, Aaron Goldsmith. We continue our conversation with Logan Gilbert. And, Logan, you left off talking about your slider and curveball. What does the process look like when you're trying to nail down a pitch, get a pitch exactly right? It's it's funny. It's probably different every time. I don't know if I have a great way to describe it, but um, you also you want to be really comfortable with the pitch. That's the biggest thing: the grip, the release, everything. And ideally, you want to throw it off your fastball. You want it to feel like you're throwing a fastball with a different grip, um, and especially the slider. So uh, you just mess around with things. There's a time for experimenting with grips, but at the end of the day, you want it to be comfortable and you want it to work naturally. I think early on in my career, I was manipulating pitches a lot and in different ways. And it just makes it tough to get back to the consistency of those pitches when you're trying to do so many different things on so many different pitches. So for me, it's just keeping it natural, throwing it like a fastball, less manipulation, and just let the grip work. Logan Gilbert is our guest on the hot stove. Logan, something that I don't think received enough attention when it was happening and at this point, it's last season, so it could be certainly overlooked right now. And that is the health of the rotation last year. Uh, it really was remarkable. Uh, that group of players went wire to wire and made your turn. Uh, it, 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 in today's era, I don't have to tell you, it, it really is an outlier. For you personally, if there was something that you were to replicate, from last year to this year that would enable you to repeat that part of your game last season, what would it be? Yeah, it's tough. Um, honestly, I didn't even know till after the season that I, I think everybody made every start and that's uh, I, like unheard of, you know, um, it's, it's good enough for one pitcher to do that, but I give a lot of credit to the older guys, um, Robbie, Marco guys that have been through it, taking us under their wings um, and just, you know, Sometimes less is more. Sometimes you want to get in all your work, but they, they kind of help us navigate that line. The coaches do a good job. The trainers obviously are amazing and, and keeping us on the field, what they're doing. So I, I really don't know if there's a magic answer. Um, part of it's just being fortunate. I, I see it as a blessing from God just to be able to stay healthy. But I, I put in a lot of work too on making sure my mechanics are in line, making sure I'm getting in the training room when I need to. And um, I think the biggest thing that I learned last season was what I hit on early that um, knowing when's enough, knowing when you need to take it easy, when you need to take a day, all that kind of stuff. Now that we're a little removed from last season, when you think about everything that happened last year, what jumps to mind? Man, so much went on. I mean, the first thing last season, I think of the walk-off home run. I think I always will. It was incredible. The culmination of the whole year. I think the whole team just came together. It's the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. It was, it was unbelievable. I think your answer is probably everyone else's answer. Yeah, I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was unreal. As well, yeah, there's no question. When you look forward to this season, there's a lot of talk, of course, about the Mariners and the Astros. Now, the Rangers have made some real moves, right? You, you know DeGrom well. DeGrom is in the division now with Texas, and they added last year free agent-wise also. 
So they're on the come. But when you look at the Astros and the Mariners, how did you feel since you got a taste of it the year before when you made your debut in your mind, how were the Mariners or to what extent that were the Mariners able to close the gap with the Astros last season? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think there's a lot that goes into it on a lot of different fronts. Um, from a pitching standpoint, I think our bullpen is unreal. And I think we have a lot of depth starting too. So we're just continually adding pieces. And I think we just understand ourselves and just kind of like our identity, how we play. Um, and was, you know, going on the 14 game win streak and everybody's hitting on the right cylinders or, um, you know, early on knowing how to break out of slumps when we weren't playing our best. But I think it's just everybody knowing, knowing their part, not trying to be a hero, but just, you know, if everybody does their job, we trust that our team has a lot of good players, a lot of talent. And um, I think that just continually makes up a game here or there. Speaking of adding pieces, the Mariners, of course, added Luis Castillo during the course of the season last year. We were all aware of Luis Castillo as one of the best pitchers in the game. We've seen him on TV or from time to time in person. But what are what were the differences watching him take the ball every five days in comparison, just sporadic? What, what was it like watching him so consistently? Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably a better answer. How to close a gap. You just had Luis Castillo. He's <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, he's he's probably one of the best pitchers I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't say that about a lot of people, but it's so fun to watch. I feel like a fan in the dugout that what he can do with the baseball and it's everything. It's not like he throws a hundred, but he's not just a velocity guy. He's got pinpoint control, but he's not like just a finesse guy. You know what I mean? So, and not even to mention how much movement he gets on his pitches. It's unbelievable. So it's a nightmare for hitters. I don't know how they do it. We continue our talk with Logan Gilbert here on the hot stove. A couple of rule changes, Logan, you know, this very well coming up in baseball this year. You seem like a guy who will be, unfazed by the pitch clock you work at a really good pace a really good tempo is this something that you have given any thought to this season or is the information you have that you're going to make it by the time the the buzzer sounds each time so you just keep doing what you've been doing yeah i haven't thought about it a lot um i think i'll be fine i I move pretty fast i like to work fast um the only thing i would think is maybe from the stretch with uh if you need to step off or yeah, I mean, even the pitch calm, I think, cleans up a lot of that. That we, we get our signs pretty fast now from the stretch. So I'm not too worried about it. I'm kind of excited about it, see see how it'll change things and hopefully speed up the game a little bit. Is there a custom pitch calm setting that you can share? Like, is there anything that can be on the record? Because what I've heard, Logan, is that like these can be recorded to say something other than just slider or fastball. And is there yeah. anything is there anything that can be released to the public? Or am I off base here? Uh, on the record, probably not. Uh, <laughs> no, um, yeah, there's, there's nothing too crazy. You can change the voice for sure. So uh, we can get whoever we want to record it. I've always just had the robot voice, but we've joked about different people being on the pitch com, but you know, in the heat of a moment in the game, I don't know. There's probably certain people's I, I, I won't actually want to hear their voice. It might distract me a little bit. And, um, as far as the call, they can get, uh, you know, they can change the description on location or pitch what, what they want to call it. If you have a different name, I guess for it, whatever. So, um, sometimes they get a little bit creative with that, but, um, that's, that's about it. Well, if you could choose anyone in the world to voice it, who would be the choice? Obviously besides us, because I think, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was my first answer, but, uh, 
That's a good question. We've talked about that a little bit. I, I don't really know. I'd probably go with, um, uh, I like McConaughey. I'd probably, oh, yeah. he's got a good voice. <laughs> Helps you relax out there. There's no more shift in baseball, Logan, as you're well aware, beginning this season. Were you in tune with the shift? Because the Mariners shifted a lot. I don't have to tell you that. And it really worked out for the Mariners' benefit. I mean, the Mariners were one of the most successful and effective shifting teams in baseball this past season and even before that. Is this something that won't uh, be in your mind at all? Did you just pitch regardless of how the shift was to begin with? Yeah, I, I didn't change my approach too much. Um, if anything, I'd sometimes look behind me to know if I just let the ball go or if I should take a stab at it, if it's hit back to me quickly. Um, I looked at basically every shift. If we got the ball, I kind of saw it as a bonus that like, oh man, I didn't deserve that out, but you know, they got it for me because we got a guy playing in right field and threw it to first. But um, I, it's, a, it's a more true output probably if they get a hit that we could have shifted on. I just see it as I should have made a better pitch, honestly. Logan, finally, uh, you are like an ultra competitor that you might be. I mean, it's it's hard to say who's the most competitive guy, right? Like you can't measure that. But we know from hearing your teammates speak about you, your manager speak about you, how competitive you are. How are you able to turn that off and turn that on seemingly as effectively as you do? Well, thank you. Yeah, that's a, that's a big compliment. It's, it's hard to do too. That's another one of those things. Like we talked about with the old school, new school, it's probably easier to keep it on than uh, turn it off. It, it's just natural for me growing up and a lot of us, not like I'm some outlier, but I get really competitive and like, all I care about is winning when I'm out there and it drives me crazy when we don't, or when, when it's my fault, something like that. Um, obviously I want to be the best. Uh, that's, that's always been my goal and I'm going to strive for that as long as I play. So I, I have very high standards and I want to win the world series every year for our team. Like I, I see that as a possibility. So, um, I think that just comes with the standards you set. And, um, I think that the team is definitely doing that now with the standards that we're setting and expectations. So, as far as turning it off, sometimes I could probably do a better job at it, you know, the day after or uh, when I when I leave the ballpark. Um, but uh, I, I think I do a decent job with it now. It's it's another one of the, those things year by year you get a little bit better at. Finally, Logan, on off days, we see you all the time with your big bag of contraptions working out on the field. Does that go home with you in the off season? Does it, do you go back to does it go back and forth wherever you go? Are you with your bag? It's a good question. Yeah. Um, I got it in the garage right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I took it to my training, put it in the trunk. I walk into my training the same way you guys see me in the outfield. So uh, it's not just a, not just a show out there. It's, I really do it behind the scenes too. How many, th- how many things, how many training things are in the bag? Oh man, I'm probably lost count now. It, you know, some, some of the things I, I don't even use all the time too. It's just, I like to have them available. If something I, that day I need it, um, you know, that probably doesn't happen too much, but I probably carry around more things than I actually use to answer your question. I don't know, at least 10, probably different things in there. So is this checked luggage on the way to spring training? Is that what this is? Uh, yeah, I think it usually is. Um, got to have it out there. Time. So I, I was going to say, put it in the truck, but that's yeah, probably going through TSA. Just like everybody else. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not so near and dear that you try to break it up and make it into your two carry-ons, you know? Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't fit, though, I'm sure. It would not fit. If I lost one of those things, I don't know what I'd do. So uh, <laughs> probably got a good idea. I might get some funny looks, though, going through the metal detector, and uh, they're asking me what I got in there. <laughs>
Yeah, a big, oh, a big ball full of water. You'd have to drain that first, right? I'd have to explain that first, and then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a great image, Logan. Thanks so much for taking all the time tonight. We really appreciate it. It was great to catch up, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Of course, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. There it is, Logan Gilbert. We'll talk to Pete Woodworth coming up right after this. Hot Stove continues. The Hot Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Welcome back to the Hot Stove. Great to have you with us tonight. Gary Hill, Aaron Goldsmith, Mariners pitching coach and MLB coach of the year. Pete Woodworth is with us. Pete, it's great to talk to you. It's good to to hear and see you guys. It's been too long. Oh, we feel the same. I I, I envision something similar to Lord Stanley's Cup, the award that is given to the Major League Coach of the Year. Uh, how heavy is it? How much space does it occupy in your Florida manor? Uh, please walk us through uh, everything about this award because, you know, we talk about manager of the year, rookie of the year, but nobody talks about coach of the year, Pete. There's way more coaches than there are managers. <laughs> The field was more complicated for you. So congratulations. Uh, Thank you guys. Um, Unfortunately, yeah, there was no, you know, uh, black tie event. There was no red carpet. I don't have an award. I don't have a physical, uh, I don't have anything. Yeah. And I don't, I haven't spoken to past winners. I don't know if there is one. So, you know, my, my, my three-year-old made me like a little, you know, a thing out of popsicle stick. So maybe that'll, hopefully that'll be the, the award and we'll pass it down to the next person next year and, and so on. But yeah, no, uh, no actual physical award. Oh, this is better than it being the size of the Stanley cup. Uh, I can, so every year we just, every year the three-year-old just needs to eat another bomb pop around July 4th and we'll put it, we'll, we will use some Elmer's glue, put a new line on there and that can be for the next year's winner. Yeah. Aaron, have you seen and, the picture that baseball America has used for Pete? You know, it's funny you bring that up, Gary. Um, I have some. Because it's great. It, it's I, Pete looking at Luis Castillo. Like, Luis Castillo is kind of in, in the foreground, and Pete's got this side smile, eyes <laughs> to the side. Yeah. It's very sly look. I love yeah. it. Can I, tell you what, can I tell you what Pete's saying? Pete's saying, you know, once they traded for you, I was a lock to win coach of the year. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh that was after his eight eight inning shutout and i said you just won me coach of the year um <laughs> luis castillo days are fun man those are fun mound visits those are just great interactions in between innings um he's always smiling so we're always smiling you know, guys like that i find so interesting because we're all aware of luis castillo we've seen him on tv and see him once in a while but it feels like such a different thing to see a guy like that every five days. What was it like for you seeing him for the first time as a Mariner every five days and just seeing what he does on the mound so consistently? Um, I think was his first one was at Yankee Stadium, right? Yeah. And it, and it was pretty electric. Um, and I, he didn't really stop after that. Yeah, he's he's interesting. He's He's kind of one of the one of the first guys I've been around that is very laid back, like very, I don't want to say low, low preparation, but just has so much trust and faith and confidence in his stuff that he's not really tinkering with anything. He's not, 
Um, he's not really diving into a ton of scouting reports and overthinking things. He's just, he truly believes in his four pitches and what he can do with it. And he just goes out and has fun and competes. The other four days are, are very similar. Like he just has a ton of fun being around everybody and, and plays catch for a little bit and throws his bullpen like everybody else. But yeah, he's he's different in that aspect in a in a really really good way though. Mariners pitching coach Pete Woodworth is our guest on the hot stove. Pete, we're we're going to talk about your pitchers uh, for a lot of this interview, but uh, we both want to spend some time talking about you because you can kind of be overlooked in the grand scheme, like any coach can in Major League Baseball, but. You are still a very young man. You are in your early 30s. There are active pitchers that are older than you in Major League Baseball right now. You've had this really quick ascent within the organization. You obviously now have some hardware to go along with it, and you've overseen one of the most effective pitching staffs in baseball. People can tell, if they haven't heard you speak before, they can tell how kind of easygoing, almost just kind of chill of a guy that you are. But there's a lot more underneath the surface. How have you change the most as a coach in your time with the Mariners? That's a great question. Um, I think one of the, the big eye opening, I don't know, it, it has changed me, but my, my thought coming up and as a kid, as a player, as a young coach, as a scout, like I thought the major leagues and these players were unicorns and, you know, the just elite, elite stuff and, don't get me wrong. They have incredible stuff, but I thought it was going to be different coaching them. And I had to do something different. I had to bring more to the table and I had to, I had to out coach myself, but the stuff that, that we were doing that I've been doing in the minor leagues for the past four years before that. And I know I made a lot of mistakes, but, um, uh, a lot of the, the main themes, you know, continue to be the main themes. You know, it's just, it's holding guys accountable. It's, it's like you said, kind of, you know, having fun every day. We can't forget that, but it's the simple things. It's communication. It's making things simple. Uh, the game is so complex and there's so many things going on each and every day. How can we make it as simple as possible for these guys? And like I said, those are kind of the main themes that I, that were instilled in me as I played from a handful of great coaches and, that I continued to kind of build my coaching playbook with. And it took me like a, about a month or two to realize like, it, it doesn't really change much. The main things are still the main themes. You just have better players, I guess. <laughs> it's great to be talking with Mariners pitching coach, Pete Woodworth. Pete, when you look at your pitching staff, what is the most common theme within your staff? that makes it successful the competitiveness that they just go out there and, and attack guys and win counts. Some guys have a lot of stuff. They all do it in different ways. Um, but that's, that's what kind of glues them all together. And to expand on the idea of winning counts, winning counts. Um, like I kind of mentioned earlier, dominating the zone, like they, they attack OOs and one, one counts. Every count is important. Every pitch is important. Um, you can go back and, and track four pitches that change the the entire game. But the more you pitch in better counts, the better you are, whether you throw 88 or 98. And we've seen that since the beginning of this game. Um, and it's being 
talked about a little bit more recently, but it's something we've done a, a, a really good job of these past two years. We've been in the in top five and winning OOs and one ones, throwing strikes in counts that you need to win to go from Oh one to one Oh is, is a big difference to, to go from one, two count to two, one count is a huge difference. And those counts happen all the time. And then you, you can just kind of take a look back, you know, Monday morning quarterback and, and look where we strayed. You know, we gave up the three run homers because we walked the lead off because we fell behind. And then Elvis Andrews got a two, one heater. That's how we lost the game. We fell behind two counts. They took advantage of it and they hit a mistake in a good count next move on to the next day and then flip it. Like, uh, you know, the guys that have the, the incredible games, uh, they're just in Oh, two, one, two counts all the time. Yes. They have great stuff. Munoz had an incredible season. He throws 102. He's got a 93 mile an hour slider. He was in Oh, two, one, two counts more than anybody in the league. Like hitters are just getting buried. Once they step in the box They're they're already, you know, a mile behind trying to play catch up and it's 103 and a 94 mile an hour slider. Like it doesn't matter what kind of stuff you have. And and we have all sorts of stuff from, from top to bottom of our staff. That's what they do well. And the guys that don't are the guys that don't stick around or don't have success. The guys that do absolutely excel and have career seasons and career careers. You mentioned the stuff, what goes into trying to make the most out of each pitcher's stuff, trying to make them the best they can possibly be. What are all the different things that the organization does to try and get them as good as they can possibly be? That is a, that is a loaded question that can, that can take a long time. So we, we have uh, our, our process is called a BVY best version of yourself. And it's something we address with the players in the off season. Um, and then it comes to life in spring training and, and every month we check in on their player plan, getting them as close to on the direction to the best version of themselves. That's um, different for every single guy. Um, some guys do need stuff velo. Um, other guys need more focus on location. Some of it's their, their body and how they're taking care of themselves and, and physically. Um, it's a little bit different for our minor league guys who have a lot of development, but every single, every single guy on our staff has a, a BBY and a player plan. And there are at least three goals of things that they can improve to be a better pitcher, a better person, a better teammate. It's yeah. Like I said, it's not all black and white and some of it kind of comes organically. Uh, there's probably four or five guys this off season who had some pitch design, you know, fun stuff to, to, to become a better pitcher Add a pitch, change a pitch, uh, improve action, improve location. Those are the fun ones. But, uh, a lot of the stuff underneath the hood, like Eric Swanson, how did, how did Eric Swanson have the year he did? How did he become the best version of his self in the past 26 years focus on dominating the zone. I'm not saying his stuff had reached a ceiling, but his stuff was already plenty good enough. Three major league pitches, some a tick above, but he was just pitching in bad counts. So the focus was on winning OOs and one ones. And then the stuff explodes and he has a ridiculous season, but yeah, the, the pitch design stuff is the fun part, you know, guys adding a, a, a splitter or a, I guess everybody added a two seam this year, but yeah. <laughs> 2022 was the year of the two seam. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. We had been riding this wave of forcing fastballs up in the zone, and that was the in vogue thing, and it had really become a massive trend within the game. Then you have Robbie Ray coming up with a two-seamer, and it trickled on from there. Is that something that you think will continue? And uh, maybe more to the point, if I can re-ask my question, why was that so effective? That's a good question. Um, I do think that's going to continue. I just think the the game just kind of teeters back and forth, um, and, and we go – we go to extremes and it, it's going to find its way back. It, it always has, it always will. And yeah, we went, we went four seam heavy because we, that's where swings and misses are. If you can ride it, if you can throw it hard, if you can throw it up, that's where they miss. Um, but not everybody can do that. And it, even I, I didn't, you know, really think about that. Like if you can't, if you can't throw a, a four seam, if you can't ride it, if that's not your strength, don't try to do it you know, and those guys kind of lean more towards sinking it, whether, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why guys can or can't do it. Everybody's different. Everybody has a unique release profile, you know, different stuff like that. But we, we kind of found this year, the league's going to adjust to it and they've kind of just been training. Hitters have been training to now defend against that pitch and they're getting better and better at it. So now there's an opening for guys to go the other way. And what we found was that guys that can do both are extremely deadly. It's hard to cover one of those. You have to sell out for one of them. Um, one of them's at the top of the zone. The other one's at the bottom. That's two, three feet of, of area that you have to cover. So if you can do both, it's really hard to game plan for. It's really hard to, to create uh, an approach for. Again, like you just have to sell out for one, but that's really difficult to do. Cause there's always that, well, what if he does this? What if he throws this pitch? Um, you know, that's why guys with more options, uh, you know, the, the unpredictability of an arsenal is, is effective. The unpredictability of two fastballs. Now put that in Robbie Ray and, and George Kirby and Luis Castillo's hands at 95 to hundred. That's pretty difficult to do. We're visiting with Mariners pitching coach Pete Woodworth. We're on the hot stove. Brought to you by Hatback. Come out to Hatback Bar and Grill Saturday night for the big college hoops matchup between Gonzaga and St. Mary's at 7.30 p.m. Plus, enjoy the NHL All-Star Weekend and a full slate of NBA action. Just go to hatback.com to make a reservation today. We have more with Mariners pitching coach Pete Woodworth coming your way right after this as Hot Stove continues. Stove Show on Seattle Sports. Presented by Hatback Bar and Grill. Two outs, nobody on. The payoff. Cut on and missed. 98 mile an hour flames right over the heart of the plate. The fifth strikeout for Luis Castillo, who carves up the Blue Jays over seven innings. Give that man a key to the city. He has owned Toronto in the Mariners' first postseason game in 20 years. He exits the mound after seven strong and a 4 nothing Mariners lead. There's some Luis Castillo. Welcome back to the Hot Stove. Gary Hill, Aaron Goldsmith. Spring training right around the corner. Why don't you come on board as a Mariners Flex member? You can choose the games and seats you want all season long. Plus, save at least 10% on tickets. Pay no fees. For more info, visit Mariners.com slash flex. As we continue our conversation with Mariners pitching coach Pete Woodworth. Pete, we were wondering, how would you describe 
the culture of the Mariners pitching staff? Hmm. Um, our bullpen is incredible. We, we think that in, in 2020 and it, it, then everybody's kind of gone in 21 and what those guys did last year, they have this identity, they have this camaraderie, uh, and guys come and go, even the core guys that were there in 21, like weren't there this past year, but there's something about like the identity that they built, the accountability that they have for each other that you can you know, plug and place different people in there. And it's just like, they've been here forever. It's like just part of their, it runs through their blood and that's unique for sure. And the, the starters, I, I would say very similar. There is this, I think this is just throughout baseball, like the, the relievers and the starters, there are kind of two different squads. I think our group does a really good job of, of breaking down that wall and it is one unit. And I think a lot of our success this year was because the hitters and the pitchers were one unit, which wasn't the case in, in the past. That wall, you know, fell down very quickly. You're, you're just seeing pitchers and hitters hanging out on and off the field. Um, again, holding each other accountable, being honest with each other, so on and so forth. Everybody loves to come to work. And I think that's special. I think that's different. We get a lot of guys from different organizations and you don't hear that. When you say pitchers and hitters, do you mean athletes and non-athletes? <laughs> yeah, the, the the pitchers and the non-athletes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, along those lines, there's a infield pop-up just to the third base side of the mound. Non-Marco answers only. Which pitcher do you put your house on making the catch? <laughs> My house? Your house. Flexin. Flexin or Diego Castillo? Hey, does Diego Castillo throw a football left handed? Diego Castillo can throw anything left handed. <laughs> so he throws long toss with Munoz almost every day. They play catch together. And when Diego's done throwing, he just plays catch left handed. When he's reached his, like, ah, I'm good for today. He, he doesn't even use a left-handed glove. He just turns his glove and puts it on the other hand and catches Munoz and then throws it back to him left-handed. Yeah. And if something happened where we needed an outfielder in the game, it would be Diego Castillo. What? If you have ever watched BP, watch Diego Castillo shag BP. Him and Flexen are fourth outfielders on at least five other clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Defensive replacement fourth outfielders. Although Flexen could probably hit a little bit. Has Castillo ever lobbied to pitch in a game left-handed? Like it, it, <laughs> to this level? Yeah. How good is it, Pete? How good is it? Uh, it's firm to quite firm. Um, it's yeah. You wouldn't know that he's not left-handed. You wouldn't, you probably wouldn't say, Oh wow. That's what a major leaguer looks like. But you wouldn't say, Oh, that guy's throwing with the wrong arm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Very this, talented. This is the biggest development of the off season because we saw, we saw Diego uh, chucking a football from up on the booth over the summer uh, during some early work. And, you know, we were not really paying that much attention. You guys go out there and they mill around all the time. 
And somebody said, I think I just saw Diego throw a football left-handed. <laughs> and no one believed that person. <laughs> and we should have. And it was a seed. Yeah, I'm sure it was. It was tight and looked like Mahomes, the whole thing. George Kirby was tremendous last year in his first season. Where does he go from here? What What's George Kirby's potential as a pitcher? The sky's the limit. I cannot say enough positive things about George. And I forget that that was his first year. Not that I've coached him a ton, just I've been around him the last three years. Um, yeah. You forget that, that you know, he just debuted the way he handles himself. He hates mound visits. He's my least favorite person to go out with to the mound. He, I'm not saying he has it all figured out, but I mean, that dude is, as competitive as they come, one of the most talented, I'll just say talented humans. Um, Cause if you, you give him a football, he, he'll, you know, throw 60 yard dimes. You give him a hacky sack, he'll hacky sack you in circles. Um, <laughs> you, you put a golf club in his hand. He's a scratch golfer. You, I don't know, put a guitar in his hand. He could probably shred with the best of them. Like he's just really talented at everything. So whatever he wants to do in this game, he he's going to do. He's really fun to be around. He's he's ex- uh, all our guys are fun and easy to coach. But like, there's another guy who's like, hey, like try this two seam, <laughs> twenty inches of horizontal. Like second time he threw it. Okay, all right, that's pretty cool. Glad we got that. Um, let's try one in the game. You know, you know, have the right situation. Nobody on. Um, you know, let's use it to somebody down in the lineup. Once we get ahead in the count, um, George Springer leads off with a double. Hey, Boba Shett, two seam. Hey, Vladimir Guerrero, two seam. Like he just started pulling them out in the very first inning in the fourth pitch of the game with runner in scoring position. And it worked. Um, his ability to his pro perception is uh, incredible. He can pick things up very quickly and, now it's part of him. Pete Woodworth is our guest, Mariners pitching coach. Who is your biggest nerd? And who is your biggest just give me the ball guy? I think Seaball Hitball, I would have to say Luis Castillo. Whatever you put down. I don't think he shakes. I think he shook once. Whatever you put down, he's gonna throw. And again, like just unyielding confidence in it. Um biggest nerd? I mean, Paul's our our team dad. <laughs> okay, I, I mean like i think we can go two different directions on nerd we can do like life nerd you know like like maybe paul has the best <laughs> maybe paul has Sorry, the best paul. wranglers of everyone okay um but then there's also like from a baseball nerd standpoint baseball nerd um, I, although I do appreciate the extra credit of burying Paul right there. Right <laughs> oh, Paulie, I'm sorry, dude. I don't think Paul would disagree. Yeah. And how he's able to switch that on and, and be that like lunatic in the game. It's incredible. Um, and then like five minutes later, he's doing your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Michael Jordan esque, like flipping it on and off. Um, Biggest baseball nerd, uh, probably Gilbert. Gilbert is a, is a student of the game. He's not going to leave any stone unturned. Yeah, he's kind of into everything. And 
Festa, I wouldn't call Festa a baseball nerd, but Festa is, is very intelligent when it comes to, to pitching and how to make things move. Pete, you're the greatest. Thanks for all the time tonight. We really appreciate it. This was fun. And I guess we'll see you in a couple of weeks. I hope so. I'm tired of hibernating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pitching coach Pete Woolworth. Hot Stove continues right after this. Andy McKay will be with us as we continue.